there. Welcome to this edition of The Shalene Show, recorded live from the front seat of my vehicle. Today, I'm driving Brett's car. Mine is being driven by Sierra. Sierra's is in the shop. I don't know if you needed all that information. Nonetheless, you're here, so let's get started. Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Hey, you're going to love this episode because you're going to get a lot of really cool stories. And I think these stories will help you in your own relationships. Stay tuned to the second part of, second piece, I should say, not part, second piece of this episode because I hit record and I was going to tell Brett that, hey, let's talk about this topic today, like how to help someone you love make a change. He had gone into Starbucks and then I forgot to tell him that we were recording. But we launched into the conversation anyway, so you're going to love that because, why? Because my husband didn't know that we were recording, so you're getting the raw, unedited version of Mr. Johnson. But the first half is what I want to begin with, and that is a situation all of us have had where you want to help someone you love. And I know we're not supposed to ever want to change someone, like I love you the way you are, you don't have to change for me, but let's be honest, let's be real. We would like oftentimes for people to change. Yeah, we want them to change for us, but we want them to change because hopefully because we think we know their life could be better. It's got more potential. And I think every one of us have experienced this. We've experienced this with best friends, coworkers, parents, brothers, sisters, neighbors, and loved ones. And it's most frustrating when it's a loved one. And here's the really weird thing about this is I find that people who have like a special skill or gift or purpose (laughs) to help other people often can't help the people who are closest to them, right? Like it's not uncommon to meet a personal trainer or someone who's a nutritionist and they come from a family that wants nothing to do with physical training or nutrition like you know and so here you are a nutritionist and you can help hundreds of clients or maybe even hundreds of thousands of people but you can't help the people in your own family why is that is that like god's cruel joke is it that you're not good enough at what you do that you can't help people closest to you is it because they don't take you seriously Whatever the case may be, it's really frustrating. So I I hope that I can shed some light on some do's and don'ts when it comes to helping your loved one. Insert whatever the issue is for you, whether it's a child who is struggling with social situations or maybe it's your wife who you're trying to help get on the the journey, the health journey with you and you, you really want it for their health. You want it so that they can live a better, healthier, happier, fuller life. But either way, no matter what the situation, it feels like it's met with defiance and defensiveness. And uh, it doesn't make sense because you're like, why, would, why wouldn't everyone want to be a little better or to improve themselves? So let's talk about some of the do's and don'ts. The first don't is to be the authority. Nine times out of ten, people know what they need to work on. Like right now, you know what you need to work on. You know if you have five or 50 pounds to lose. You know if you need to work on your temper. You know these things. We might not want to admit it to ourselves, but I think we're pretty all, we're pretty self-aware. 
and we realize that there are areas we need to improve even if we don't want to admit it. So when somebody wants to point it out to you, you feel exposed, you feel defensive, you feel like that they're pointing something out is a statement of their perfection and a glaring you know, representation of your imperfections. You feel like you're being, like a light is being shined on you and you're like, yeah, thanks, I already know this about myself and I hope you know you're not perfect. You know, so I've heard the advice before, like lead by example, which is true. But I want to suggest that you not just lead by example to be, to put yourself on a pedestal or to, you know, be someone's mentor. Lead by example, but lead with love. In other words, don't flaunt it. Don't push it down somebody's throat. Don't lead by example and leave someone behind. Lead by example, but lead with love. And by that I mean nothing is going to change if somebody doesn't feel significant or important to you. So while you might think, oh, I'm just going to lead by example and I'm going to go do my workouts and I'm just going to buy food just for me and you know, when my husband wants to go to the same old restaurants, I'm just going to stay home or I'm going to eat something else and I'm just going to go to my workouts and I'm going to just do my thing and I'm just going to lead by example. But meanwhile, you've left him in your dust. Now, I don't think that you should, I'm not suggesting that don't do things that you know are healthy for you. I'm just saying, if that's the case and you don't share this one area in common yet, then you have to find other things that you still do share in common. And you've got to spend time together. This person, if you really do want change to happen for them, they have to feel significant. They have to feel relevant, important. And here's the key word. Are you ready? And all of this, accepted. You can pretty much stop listening now if you just remember this one core concept. People need to feel accepted in order to feel motivated to make change for themselves, which is very different from being manipulated into making change. So let's talk about another don't. Don't manipulate someone to make change by withholding something that's important to them, such as passive aggressive behaviors like this person isn't helping around the house and that's something you want them to do and so what you do is withhold your affection your intimacy maybe if it's your kids and they're you know you want them to make a change but instead of helping them to feel accepted and loved you're withholding by giving them the silent treatment or not showing them love and affection and acceptance. People have to feel accepted in order to be motivated to make change. And when we try to manipulate people into making change, it may work temporarily, but it never works permanently and it almost always resorts in massive resentment because you're asking someone to do something for you not for them. The next don't is to don't become obsessed with this thing, right? And I know you, it's on your mind 24 seven. Like, let's just say, let's just say that you want to help your teenage daughter to get off the junk food and the sugar and the garbage that she's poisoning her body with. Okay. First of all, I'd like to mention that, um, who's buying the groceries? A. And B, where did they learn these behaviors? But more importantly, 
this child needs acceptance and needs love and you're obsessing about this fact now that's all you're thinking about it's it's on your mind 24 7 and so you're only going to see the negative you're going to notice when they you know are making a a choice that's not healthy for them you're gonna notice that and even though you're like oh I didn't say I it's been on my mind all week long and I only said something a couple of times this week well those two times in your child's mind will never do you hear me never be forgotten when you talk to your children about food and what they're eating and you do so in ways that make them feel like it's because of their weight or their appearance you're telling them I don't accept you as you are so how do you handle it? Well, don't mention it. That's number one with regard to their their appearance or their weight or how they're going to be accepted or whether people are going to tease them. Just speak in terms of energy and feeling good. If, if you only frame it in those terms, that's your first step. The second step is don't mention it often because they already know and they already feel as though they don't measure up by your standards and society standards. So they have to come to that point on their own. But what are you doing to role model? I'm just going to say right now that I hear so many well-meaning moms, sometimes the dads too, who say things like, I just don't want you to end up heavier or I don't want you to end up struggling with your weight all your life like I have. What your child hears is... I struggle with my weight and therefore you will too. They're not you. They might have some of your genes, but they're not you. And how they live their life will determine how their genes are expressed. But the greatest effect on that process is their belief systems. And you're, whether you realize it or not, not helping. You're making it 10 times worse because you're telling them what to believe. You're telling them even though you think you're doing the opposite. So just don't even mention it with regard to their weight or how people are receiving them. Instead, here's the do. Do notice everything else that you love and adore about them. Do notice when they're doing when they're making great decisions. Do compliment them on everything else that you love and accept about them. The next don't is don't address or bring up this subject shortly after the thing happened or shortly after an incident okay because that's the wrong timing a you're too emotional b it just happened and c they're not in the right frame of mind to receive any kind of feedback that might affect change in order to affect change test question okay you paying attention what does someone need to feel in order for any type of feedback to be received answer acceptance they need to feel loved they need to feel accepted they need to feel good so right after this thing happened right like your kid grabs the bag of Doritos or your spouse you know it's the morning after and they're hung over and drinking is an issue they already feel lousy so it's the absolute worst time to bring this up the do is to do bring these things up and we'll talk about how when everyone's in a good place because you're less emotional you'll be able to be more loving and the message can actually be received or is more likely to be received when the other person feels loved and accepted so how do you bring it up my recommendation is that you bring these things up 
in a way that isn't accusational. It isn't about them. Like you're not pointing a finger. In fact, it's, it's better to redirect it to yourself because frankly, that's what it's about, right? Like it's how this person is behaving or not behaving that how it makes you feel. So let me give you an example. Own personal story. When Brett and I, when we first started dating, I, I noticed these things about him. I just didn't think it was that big of a deal. And that is that at certain times I could tell like he was in a really bad mood, angry, almost annoyed, but I just thought he was moody. And like any new relationship, I would bombard him with like, are you mad? Is there something wrong? What's wrong? And that would bug him. He would say like, you know, that really bothers me because nothing's wrong except for the fact that you keep asking me what's wrong. But I, listen, I've got a decent amount of emotional intelligence. I knew something was wrong. And that just was a part of our relationship. You know, and there was a point at which we had been married for like 10 years. We had young children. And now I saw that it was affecting the kids. Like the kids were also kind of like walking on eggshells. I like to say that I think Brett had an anger problem, but no one else would know it because he didn't yell. He didn't like, you know, throw things or he wasn't abusive. He didn't say mean things. It was just an energy. You could feel it. And it was super uncomfortable and tense. And even our kids, when they were little, they could feel it. And that's when I knew, like, what have I done here? Why have I made this okay? And I just started reading as much as I could to understand, like, what this was. And eventually, I came to understand it. So so the, the don't here is to don't just tell your partner, hey, you got to figure out why you're moody or you got to figure out why you're always in a bad mood. That doesn't help someone. I started by explaining to him how it made me feel when I could sense that there was something wrong, but when I inquired, he would say nothing. And I told him that that made me feel that it must be something I've done or haven't done and that I somehow am responsible for how he feels. And I told him, I I know that may not be true, but when you can't explain to me what's wrong, that's how I feel. And that makes me feel anxious. It makes me feel nervous. It makes me feel on edge. It makes me feel like I'm on eggshells. And, you know, I told him that. And that helped him to understand, but I still could sense he, he wanted to change. He just, he couldn't. So my next don't is don't take it personal. It's tempting to want to say, you know, I need you to not drink as much and to take it personal when your partner doesn't make that change or I need you to tell me what's bothering you so I don't feel like it's me and if they can't do that don't take it personal and if you know your partner doesn't want to take care of themselves physically or they're dealing with an addiction whatever it is it's very tempting to take it personal don't take it personal do however do the research understand like seek understand because that empathy will make you feel so much better much less resentment and if if you truly love this person whoever it is your kid you know boyfriend girlfriend husband wife mom dad sister brother whoever it is if you truly love them seek to understand why it is people do this because there's a root cause people don't do things that are negative because they want to it's serving some kind of a purpose so there's something deeper that's a root cause there's a reason why 
your wife is drinking a bottle of wine every single night. There's a reason why your husband struggles and, and is a compulsive overeater. This, it's not just because he wants to. Like, there's a reason. So seek to understand it first. And the more I began to, you know, like, understand why people were like this, I, I didn't know why, but I learned that there's often some type of unresolved trauma or unresolved issue that this person has. So that helped me to be more patient. And eventually I realized what I've got to do is help my husband get into therapy. So, you know, you can't just walk up to someone and say, hey, you know what? I really think you need to go to therapy. It just, that makes somebody defensive. So the do is do address things you need to work on. So with Brett, it started off with me saying that I really wanted to work on being a better wife. That I knew there must be something I was or wasn't doing that was making him feel uncomfortable to communicate with me what it was that was bothering him. And whether that was something, you know, in his past or something that I was doing, I wanted to improve our relationship and our intimacy so that he felt comfortable talking to me about that. And by me addressing my own shortcomings, guess what that does? It lowers his guard. And so you can do that too by addressing things you want to work on with your partner. And then you can just, you know, if they, if they don't automatically offer it up, then what you can do, here's another do, is you can say, you know, I mean, so that that's what I want to work on. Is there other things that, you know, maybe you think you could work on? And that's always kind of a funny thing because I'm thinking about the first time I said that to my husband. He's like, uh, I'm sure you've got a list for me. I'm like, no, really, really. Honestly, you've got to be soft about this. You've got to be a little bit of an actress. But no, really, are there things that, you know, if this is what I want to work on, what would what would you like to work on? Took a while. Eventually, we got to a place where, you know, I'm just going to tell you, I felt like in our relationship, we both have done things. And I'm going to share the second part of this episode shortly, and you'll hear something that Brett has helped me to work on. But when it came to that pent-up anger, that walking on eggshells that I felt like myself and the kids felt for many years, it, it finally got to a place where I felt like I, I needed to, like I felt like it was not good for the kids. And Brett is not that man today. He will tell you that himself. But I just felt like something, I had to make an ultimatum. And an ultimatum is different than a threat. A threat isn't something you're going to follow through. And I, I had to say, if you don't do this, then I will do this. And I just said, we need to go to therapy and I'd like us to go as individuals first. And we both had done therapy in the past, but like this anger thing was still coming up. But notice I didn't say, you need to go to therapy. I said, we need to. And if we don't, this isn't healthy for the kids and I won't tolerate it. Again, there was no throwing, there was no screaming. It was just kind of a constant state of stomach ache. That's the only way I can describe it. And I said, if you love the kids enough, even if you don't want to do this, you'll do it. Because Brett, you know what it feels like. You know what it's like to be around someone who is so upset and angry inside and everyone can just feel it without it ever being expressed. And that's not 
the way our kids should walk into their home. So you need to see a therapist and I need to see a therapist. And, and if you don't, then here's what's going to happen. And he agreed. You know, I think that's kind of the extreme, right? Like, I hope you don't have to get to that point. I want you to know that we tried, I tried, you know, probably 12 years of different things that always made it a little bit better, but that problem was still there. And that problem was still there because there was an underlying issue that was bigger than his love for us. You know, had nothing to do with how much he loved me or loved the kids or that he did or didn't want to change you know, there's often deep-rooted reasons why the person that you love isn't making changes to help themselves. So uh, that therapy helped me a lot. It's what helped me get over being a workaholic and needing to provide for other people or if I didn't provide financially for other people, if I wasn't like the, you know, the person making the most money for the company I was helping or, or whatever it was... I didn't feel like I was a uh, significant person. I discovered that in therapy, so that helped. That helped me. And Brett had some unresolved traumas that he needed to work through. And wow, I just have to tell you that, like, that was some of the most uncomfortable points in our marriage. But oh my god, I love this guy so much more now because I just I haven't felt that way since the day he started going to this particular therapist to work on these particular issues everything freaking changed and he'd been to other therapists and you've heard me say this before find the right therapist because once you do everything changes and it just it's like I'm married to a different person and and that was many many years ago and it's just it's just every single year gotten better and better and better I can't imagine I don't think we'd be still married if he hadn't done that because I I just know I couldn't I couldn't be who I am and feel that tension all the time and I know I couldn't have provided the life for my kids in an environment where they felt that kind of tension and he's the best the world's greatest dad the world's most admirable husband and it really truly is because not because he was manipulated into changing but because we did the therapy and we got to the root of the problem so when you do want to help someone change if I can end this by saying this segment anyways by saying remember it's not personal you've got to remember how significant and accepted this person needs to feel in order to make that change and ultimately there's often something deeper at the root of the behavior so educate yourself learn and don't take it personal But now we're going to switch things over and I'm going to let you hear that conversation between Brett and I earlier this morning. I think you'll find it pretty funny, kind of lighthearted. And uh, maybe I will do a follow-up podcast on how not to be late someday. All right, here it is. (laughs) Maybe because I said it right. I don't know. Oh, that's funny. I never say it right. I'm always like, what size, what do you call a medium? They're like, okay, it's Starbucks. You know what it is. I just have this block in my head. What is this size called? Grande. Big ones, Vente. And the little ones, small. Grande. I'm just going to remember it. Grande. It's not called small, though. I know. Tall. Tall. See, that's that's where things go wrong. No, no one's ever called me tall, and I'm the littlest. Okay, so tall and grande to me both say large. Tall and grande both grande say large. Grande means yes. large. Yes. Or big. That's the problem. Yes. Okay. Venti must mean, in Italian, like giant Ginormous. size. Ginormous. Yeah. 
because, but I don't, I'm not Italian. And they launched their brand in America. So they completely screwed this up because first No of all, one's ever going to call me tall. Yeah. But tall refers to like, okay, it's something's tall. It's big. It's like, it, it doesn't make zero sense. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a podcast on um, how to get your spouse to do something like to change or to improve or like to break a bad habit or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, so and now, why don't you think about this? What is something you in the past have wanted me to do or to change or to improve? Okay. Well, you're thinking of something already. No, I'm, th- okay, I'm listening to your whole thing. Okay. So you got something? No, I don't. Yeah. Something that I wanted you to improve or, or change, uh, change or do differently. Okay. Got it. Okay. And so... How many years did you struggle with this? And are you still? <laughs> yes and yes. <laughs> How many years did you struggle with it? Uh, okay, so so if you're still struggling with it, it's then... It's still going on. Okay, is it better? It's better, yes. And I think that's the, I think that's the part, is like, um, that if it's some, if it's a habit that's formed over a lifetime, and every single year it gets 10% better, then that's an improvement. So you should look at that as a win. That's a really good nugget I'm going to give people. Yeah, because you said it yesterday and it kind of sparked, you know, like I thought about that. I was like, okay, 10% better. What does that mean? I'm glad you said that because you, on the other hand, are kind of an all or nothing type of person. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do it like 10% better. I'm just going to like, if, Change Dun- it. if Duncan says go um, 10% better, I'm like, how do you go 100% better? Yeah. Okay, so... So what in your head have you done that you know worked? Um, well, you've learned the trick, but I, I, I white lie what time we're supposed to leave for things. Okay. I've done it both ways. So things that it doesn't matter what time we get there, mm-hmm. I've relaxed on. Mm-hmm. And I think you can, like, that's... that's Yeah. So that's something I've worked on. Because I don't like getting places early. No, but... If it's social. Yeah, so I've 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 adapted to that, uh-huh. right? And then what I've learned to try to help you adapt with is when we're trying to go somewhere and there's an actual time of arrival that is necessary, like a flight it, or anything, mm-hmm. a class or whatever. It gives me it gives me anxiety. It gives me not anxiety. It gives it gives me. I just don't like to be late. I'd like to be early and kind of see my surroundings. It's kind of like when we go on a run and you're leading the run. I'm like, okay, where are we going? I like yeah. to know where we're going, what we're doing. It's just a control thing for me in okay. terms of like that. So what I've done to help that is I've adjusted time when necessary. So for instance, if our flight's at two, I might tell you that that you know, hey, our fl- our flight's out at one o'clock. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is Kristen puts it on the schedule, so you have a place where you can go verify it. Okay, but I still I still like that you I even though I know you're fudging the number, I won't intentionally go and look because I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna hold that in my brain because it's it's an it's the time they hold in my brain. Yeah. And that time on the thing is always the flight, and you're not good at counting backwards. <laughs> okay. So I think you probably don't realize some things that you've done that have been helpful. I get, well, and the other things that I've done to help is I've, I, I, I get the suitcase out the night before to get you thinking about it. Okay, so you're coping with my 
uh, behavior, but I'm going to tell you some things you've done that have helped me to change my behavior because you know, you have to admit that I'm at least on time for things. Yeah. I don't like to be late now. Yeah. And I don't, I didn't used to care about being late because that's the way I grew up. Yeah. My parents are late for, yeah. my parents think being late is an advantage. It's not the worst thing in the world too, to be a little early to your flight. There's not, it, there is some advantages. I agree. You, you, you get great shopping. They have great shopping in airports now. So you always like to go and check out things like that. And you, you literally can kind of like set your mindset for the flight. Like you're like, okay, this is going to be a three hour flight. Okay. I probably need this or this while I'm at the airport or whatever. And you, I don't know. It's just like you get there, there's no stress. You just get on the plane, you go. But like if you're, if you're just rushing to get to the airport. Okay. We get it. All right. Point taken. All right. So what are the coping things that I've done that help you? Well, a person has to change their mindset in order to change behaviors and actions that follow their beliefs. Like, so my beliefs were that it's a, it's kind of an advantage to be late to things. You know, uh, it's not awkward. The party's already started. If you show up late to a movie, you, you don't have to sit through the credits. Like, there are all these things that my mom and dad used to say jokingly when we were late to things that made me think, like, being late is a good thing. So I have to change that belief, right? And so some of the things you've done that have helped me to do that, for example, is you telling me how it makes you feel when you're late. I'm like, oh, because I've never felt that. Mm -hmm. Also, you telling me that um, so that it wasn't like, you know, when you do this, you're a bad person. You're saying when when we're late, it makes me feel and that was like, oh, wow. And then also you telling me how it makes you, what you assume the other person is thinking when they're late, mm-hmm. which is that their time is more, more important. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God, I would never want to make somebody think that. So I'm not perfect. But that has helped a lot. And you've improved drastically measures. I also think timing is a thing you've done really well, is when we're late, now we're late. Like, I've screwed up. Now we're late. You don't bring it up then. When uh, you could, right? Like it's okay. Now it's top of mind, and you're probably all these thoughts are racing through your head. Like this is pissing me off. I don't like that. Now we're going to be late, and we're in the car together, and you, you know, really, I can feel it. Like you're holding back on what you want to <laughs> say, but you wait until later, and you'll say like, okay, so we have this thing we're going to do tomorrow at such and such time, and you'll say to me, it would really, it's really important to me if we could be on time. Yeah. And then I do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. So timing is huge. And, you, and you've gotten way better, and I don't know if this is enabling or this is just you knowing your shortcomings, is that you're, you get a lot better at no matter what we're doing, is you're like, okay, I want to be ready by three, and you know it takes me this long, so how long, like... Reverse like, engineering. Reverse engineering the timing, because you don't like the math part of it. Right. Yeah. All people who are late Always have, think they have more time. You have this, what I like to call a magical belief about how long something takes you. Yeah. So if one time in my whole life I was able to get ready in 15 minutes and the other two million times it took me an hour, in my head, it's 15 minutes. Like yeah. people who are late, they magically hold on to the short, like the if record I, time. Yes. If I, you're want, always your PR. <laughs> yes, I'm, always, I'm always planning based on my PR. That's exactly it. And I mean, so there's different reasons why I don't, don't mean, this looks like a show in our place right now for this to turn into like talking about lateness, but 
This is. I'm not even going in there because this is this will make me upset. Really? Can I go in? Yeah, go ahead because this is ridiculous. That okay. We're cleaning on it on this day. Okay. Stand by. Unless they're cleaning our glass. I don't think so. Everything's still covered up. I can see it. Wow. You don't understand how, what a full circle moment the end of that little exchange was because just re-listening to it right now, I know in the past, like before therapy, okay, so what happened is we were pulling up to our beach house and the renovations, the crew was supposed to be gone like the day before. And we pulled up and there was just like massive amounts of just people and cars and trucks and construction there and you know then you heard brett's reaction the difference is in the past as we were pulling up i would have started to sense and feel his anxiety and anger and you heard him he called it a excuse my french he called it a show you know and and so but what's different is his energy like now it kind of makes me laugh it's fun it's playful it's giggle like when things go wrong and he might be annoyed i know it's not about me because we can communicate and it's like things that upset him now it's not that it makes me laugh but it's it kind of like because it doesn't bother me i'm able to stay calm and i also know that he's not upset with me and we had to learn how to get there through counseling but anyways in that final little exchange on our car ride that was me like jumping out of the car to go see how bad it really was inside. But I just did so very lightheartedly. In the past, I would have been like, oh my gosh, I have to handle this. I have to you know, solve this problem so that he can feel calm. But we're not there anymore and life is much better. So it is possible, as you heard in this exchange, Brett has helped me and I help him and you can help the people that you love. But you have to start by knowing that this person needs to feel accepted and loved and that your intentions are truly pure. It's all about making sure that the other person is in the right frame of mind. So thank you so much for spending this time with me here on The Shalene Show. Let me know what you enjoyed about this episode and how it might help you. Reach out to me in social media. You know where to find me. If not, you can look in the podcast show notes. All of my social media handles are there. And in the meantime, may I just say, Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I love you and I can't wait to spend some time with you again soon because you are thebomb.com. This episode has been brought to you by the Smart Life Push Journal. If you're the type of individual who loves to make lists, keep yourself on task, get organized, and there just don't seem to be enough hours in the day. This is a convenient, lightweight, simple to use 30-day system. This is not just a day planner. And learn how you can get your health, fitness, life, and goals organized and develop the laser focus you need to have the life that you deserve. Check it out. Go to smartlifepushjournal.com.